or saith he it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt, this is written, that he that ploweth should plow in hope, and he that thresheth in hope should be partaker of his hope. 1 Corinthians 9.10 Father, thank you for your word that teaches me how to live and what to expect. You never muzzle the ox when he is treading grain. As he grinds out the grain, it is appropriate for them to be nourished in order for them to have the strength as they continue to tread the grain. The same way, the workmen are not to be deprived of proper sustenance and receive compensation for their labors. Neither are those who labor in the Word and your mission field. Those that are committed to preaching and teaching your Word are the Lord's plowmen. They work alongside Him to break up the fallow grounds of men's hearts and sow the seeds of righteousness into their souls. As they labor in hope with the Lord, they should also be partakers of the same hope given to others. You are just and fair, and are pleased with those who plow in hope, as they should, to enjoy the fruit of their labors. You are a rewarder of those who seek you and provide for those who dedicate their lives to serving you. As I labor to reach the lost with the word of truth, then I'm faithful to strengthen them in righteousness. It is only fair that I should hope to be provided with food and shelter for family and myself. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's daily prayer. For more inspiration and an incredible message from our feature pastor, stay tuned to Pray.com's Sunday service. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th.
Go to Nix.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. Welcome to Sunday Service, the podcast that's meant to inspire you to live a better life and grow your faith for eternity. I'm your host, Matthew Potter, and today we are honored and blessed to feature Beth Jones from Kalamazoo, Michigan. And now let's dive into the word. How's everybody doing? We're going to talk today about the greatest life. What in the world does the Lord have in mind for us? Because of the price Jesus paid on the cross, what does he have in mind for us? And I don't know um, how it was with you, but you know, oftentimes we grow up and we put religious glasses on and see God in ways that the Bible doesn't describe him. And then we see life in ways. We see our life in ways that maybe the Bible doesn't necessarily define or describe. And I don't know about you, but it's a happy day when you take off the old religious glasses and put on Bible glasses and see what the Lord has said and what the Lord has promised and how he wants to empower us to do and to be all that he's called us to do and be. And so that's what we're going to talk about today, the greatest life because of the greatest man. Amen? Amen. All right. If you got your Bibles, go ahead. Let's go to John 10.10. John 10.10. Of course, many of you know this verse, but I love it. And it says in the Amplified Version of the Bible, it says this. It says, the thief comes only in order to steal and to kill and to destroy. So yes, there is a thief. There is an adversary. There is someone who doesn't want you to live the God life, the greatest life. And his goal all along in every area of life always is to steal. Steal your joy. Steal your marriage. Steal your health. Kill everything that could live and destroy He's on a mission to do that. But Jesus said, I have come. I have come for another reason. I have come that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full until it overflows. Well, there's a lot of key words in that, but I think one major key word in there is enjoy. That's where you have to take the religious glasses off sometimes, that Jesus said, I've come that they could have and enjoy life and have it in abundance. I mean, there is nothing stingy about the Lord. Aren't you glad? There is no lack with the Lord. There is nothing stingy. There is nothing barely get along. There's only so much to go around. There is nothing of that in the Lord. He's the God of more than enough. And then in case we didn't get it fully, he said, listen, I want you to have life to the full until it overflows. And I, you know, I know for myself, man, I had to get my mind renewed to this God of the Bible because I had a different paradigm and this whole idea that God wants you to live the overflowing life. And in every area, you know, sometimes we can a little bit hyper-spiritualize things and think, well, that only means spiritually. Just spiritually. But it's in every area of your life. It's in every area of my life. He wants us to have life. To the full until it overflows. In abundance. Have and enjoy it. Now look at this verse in Timothy. Give you a couple of verses and then we're going to get into some really, really practical and I hope inspiring things today. First, Timothy 6. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. He said, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable, 
but their trust should be in God who richly gives us all things we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation to the future so that they may experience true life. Talking about life, and it's so interesting here, you know, sometimes, again, going back to just, just the mindset we have when it comes to God and comes to life, so many times, and it's just, just the enemy, but the enemy wants people to be mad at rich people, and that somehow or another, God doesn't want people to have money. Well, you can't give what you don't have. So how can you be generous and give and do all the stuff God wants us to do if you don't have something? So he's not against people having money. He's against money having people. But he's not against you having money. Money's neutral. This is a little rabbit trail, but here, we'll just go with it. <laughs> Money's neutral, you know. In the hands of a good person, it does good things. In the hands of an evil person, it does evil things. Money's not moral or amoral. It's just neutral. So let's be the people that are doing according to this verse and living with a generous spirit having whatever God's given us in terms of resources and wealth and material things to enjoy life and to do good things. And he says, look, those people are going to enjoy true life, real life, and not just in this life, but also in the life that is to come. So we're just painting a little picture on the front end. God wants you to enjoy life. You don't look like you're enjoying it right now. <laughs> God wants you to enjoy life. <laughs> Let's do it one more time. God wants you to enjoy life. <laughs> so then how? What are some really practical ways? Look at this uh, in Proverbs. Go to Proverbs 8. And while you're heading there, let me just give you a couple of quotes you've heard before. But Eleanor Roosevelt said this, life is what you make it. Always has been and always will be. Well, that's not a Bible verse, but it is a truth. Leon Patillo, some of you might remember him, he used to have a song, Life is what you make it. It's all up to you. Well, it's up to you and the Holy Spirit. It's up to you walking with God, but God's not forcing us to have life. And God's not living our lives for us. The Holy Spirit's our helper. He helps us live life. But he doesn't live it for us. And I know sometimes in the Christian world, we get, this, we get a little bit of a fatalistic attitude. Meaning, well, God will just do it. God will just do it all. I'll just wait for the magic wand. God will just do it. Well, God does a lot. And he did a lot on the cross <laughs> and made a way for you and I to have abundant life. But he doesn't live your life, right? The Holy Spirit helps us. Life is what you make it. And it is time for the church and Christian people to wake up and live life. Live life that is influential. Live life you enjoy and use your wealth for good things. And all the people said, Wayne Dyer said this. He said, the number one regret of the dying is this. I wish I'd had the courage to live the life I wanted rather than doing what others wanted of me. So however much time you have left, let's live life. Let's live the life God's called you to live. Proverbs 8.12, I love this. I'll give you a couple of versions. This is one of my favorite little hidden verses in Proverbs from all time, really. In um, the Passion Bible, it says this, For I am wisdom. I am shrewd and intelligent. I have at my disposal living understanding 
to devise a plan for your life. This idea that God wants to help us devise a plan by wisdom for our lives. In the Young's literal translation, it says, I, wisdom, have dwelt with prudence and a knowledge of devices I find out. I like that word devices or to devise. In the King James Bible, this verse says this, I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out the knowledge of witty inventions. Witty inventions. I think the Lord all the time, and as we get into this today, I think you'll see he has been already for a lot of your life and a lot of my life, giving us witty inventions. He's helped us all along to devise a plan to live our lives. But I'm hoping today that you be inspired and motivated and encouraged to go, okay, Lord, I am taking the lid off. What have I been thinking? Okay, so let's go with number one. You guys ready? Number one, live your life and forget your age. There's an author. In fact, she's the most prolific novelist. Her name is Barbara Cartland. She wrote 723 books in her lifetime. It's a lot of books. It's a lot of books. She sold between 600 million and 2 billion books. She wrote her first book at 21, but here's the cool part. She wrote her last book at 97. Between the ages of 77 to 97, a 20-year window, between 77 and 97, she wrote 400 romances. We don't necessarily endorse her genre of book, but we do endorse what she did. A lot of people at 77, you know, have retired and are living in the villages. <laughs> America's friendliest hometown. At 77, for the next 20 years, she wrote 400 books. Live your life. Forget your age. Some of you authors out there, you've always wanted to write a book, and you think, oh, man, now I'm 40. It's way too late. You haven't even started yet. You got a book in you? Write that book. You got a song in you? Write that song. You got something in you to create, to develop? Do it. Live your life. Forget about how old you are. Well, people my age wouldn't do this. Well, then don't be like people your age. <laughs> how about this guy, Bob Becker? He's 70 from Fort Lauderdale. He was the oldest finisher in 2015 at the Badwater, 135. That's a 135-mile intense physical foot race covering 135 miles. He did it in 41 hours. But that's not all. Bob got done with the race. He decided to walk an additional 11 miles up a 14,000-foot incline, and then he wanted to do the whole route again. It's called a Badwater Double. How old was Bob? 70. Oh, he did take a little nap, though, in between. In between the, the first half and the second half. Well, he just decided to do it. He's an ultra-marathoner. Previously, he would do 100-mile-plus races. You've always wanted to do the Chicago Marathon? You always wondered if you could qualify for the Boston? Number two, reinvent yourself or something else. Now, we've talked about this concept many times, but uh, George Bernard Shaw said, life isn't about finding yourself. Life is about creating yourself. In that sense, take what's been done a million times before and just reinvent it. So we know Steve Jobs reinvented the phone. You know, the rotary, of course, we have, but even like the flip phone, and we had some phones that were just more functional, but he turns the iPhone into a piece of art. Elon Musk takes the car 
and he reinvents it into the Tesla, the electrical car and solar panels and a bunch of other things he's doing in the technology world. Howard Schultz. We used to pay 50 cents for a cup of coffee at the, at the gas station. Now we pay $4, and we're happy to do it, and we wait in line. What did he do? He took a cup of coffee. It existed. He didn't invent coffee. He took something that existed, and he just put a new twist on it. He perked it up, if you will. Where's the drum and the crash, the cymbal crash? <laughs> take something that exists and reinvent it. The surfboard, okay, the surfboard was first invented in 1926, the surfboard. But do you know over the years there's 30 variations of the surfboard? It all came from the surfboard. The snowboard, the snow skate, skis, the skateboard, the wakeboard. I mean, just start going down the list. There's 30 variations of something. What was it originally? A surfboard. So what do you have expertise in? What's in your world that you could reinvent? Ponder, think about it. What does God do? He gives us the knowledge of witty inventions. Now, this is an interesting thought here. Um, we'll go to, to Second Chronicles. We'll see this in the Bible. I, I love this stuff. You guys like this kind of stuff? It's inspiring. It's motivating. It makes you open up your heart and go, okay, God, what do you want to do in my life and through my life? In Second Chronicles 26, then all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old, and made him king in place of his father. Verse 4, he did what was right in the Lord's sight to the extent that all his father Amaziah had done. He set himself to seek God in the days of Zechariah. And as long as he sought, inquired of, yearned for the Lord, God made him prosper. Well, you see the priorities there, don't you? When you're seeking the Lord, as long as you're seeking the Lord, as long as your heart's toward God, as long as your heart is to be blessed, to be a blessing, to enjoy life and to do good, to seek the Lord, God is all good with prospering you, with blessing your life, and he did that for Uzziah. Verse 7, God helped him against the Philistines and the Arabs who dwelt in different places there over in the Middle East, and the Ammonites paid tribute, and his fame spread. Even to the border of Egypt, he became very strong, and then he had some commanders under him, and under their command, there was an army of 300,000 plus who could fight and so on. Verse 14 is the verse, okay? Verse 14. Uzziah prepared for all the army, shields, spears, helmets, coats of mail, bows, and stones to sling. In Jerusalem, he made machines, devices, invented by skillful men to be on the towers and on the corner bulwarks with which to shoot arrows and great stones. And his fame spread, for he was marvelously helped until he was strong. What is this whole story about? It's about tapping into God's wisdom. It was about how God gave him the knowledge of witty ideas of invention. And back in the day, they invented the machine we know as the catapult and put it up on the corners of the walls. And it was something to help them protect their city. Well, what does God do for people when you seek him? He makes you prosper and then he gives you the knowledge of a witty idea. It doesn't always have to do with business. It doesn't always have to do with armies and, you know, battles. But it does have to do with your life. Do you need a witty idea? to deal with your kids? Do you need a witty idea in your marriage? What do you need God to give you a witty reinvention of? Uh, there are some stories, and I think these are interesting, of people over the years that give God all the credit for the inventions. Of course, you guys know, many of you know the story of George Washington Carver. Humbly, he attributes the creator for all of the inventions he came up with, hundreds of inventions for the use of the peanut. 
hundreds and hundreds of uses for the peanut. And he gives credit and says, the Lord has guided me, and without my Savior, I am nothing. The guy who invented the laser printer, Gary Starkweather, said, I believe that to a great extent, the creativity we possess is because the Creator put it there. God put things in us as tools, developers, and creative individuals, and I think it has to please him when he sees us using those faculties to make something completely new. There's a lot of stories about people over the years, and some were believers and some weren't, but nonetheless, God's the author of all things anyways, that had dreams over the years and needed to solve some problems. Here's a couple. Mendeleev created the periodic table from a dream. He's trying to figure out how to put all the atoms in some kind of a logical order because he had nothing else to do. <laughs> so he had a dream and he got the periodic table. August Kukul solved the structural riddle of the benzene molecule from a dream. Again, these are things that I know a lot of us are staying up late at night working on as well, but <laughs> Frederick Banting isolated insulin with help from a dream. Elias Howe finished the sewing machine, the lock stitch component of a sewing machine. Einstein got the theory of relativity in a dream. Actually, it was through, he had a dream about being in the speed of light and got the theory of relativity as a result. Otto Lowe, the father of neuroscience, had two dreams, two nights in a row, because he thought that nerves were conducted by the chemistry in the body, but he had two dreams in a row that, that he saw the formula that nerve signals were transmitted using chemical instructions. Well, the Holy Spirit can teach us and reveal things to us in a lot of ways. What's the point? The point is, reinvent yourself or something else. Number three, intentionally practice one thing 10,000 times. Now, Malcolm Gladwell made this famous in his book, Outliers. He told the story of the Beatles, how they got their 10,000 hours in. They had their first gig in 1960. They were unknown. They were playing in Germany in local clubs, but by 1962, two years later, they played eight hours a night, seven nights a week for quite some time. By 1964, the year they came onto the scene internationally, the Beatles had played over 1,200 concerts together. Doesn't maybe seem like a lot to us. However, by way of comparison, most bands today don't play 1,200 times together in their entire career. What was the secret in part with the Beatles? He talked about they, they just mastered it. His, his thing, and many others concur, that mastery happens when you do something 10,000 times. It just become, you become a master of it. It's not, you're not nervous, you're not scared, you're not inept. No, you know, you know how to do it. You've done it 10,000 times. There's a couple of quotes, I want you to see these. Bruce Lee said, I don't fear the man who practiced 10,000 kicks. I fear the man who practiced one kick 10,000 times. There's something about intentionally practicing the thing you do 10,000 times. It's that whole mantra, don't be the jack of all trades and the master of none. What's your niche? What's your thing? What are you good at? Do that thing. In um, one of the books I was reading, there's a guy who's an investor and an author, and he was talking about his daughter. He's playing tennis with his daughter and so she, her backhand was not very good. So rather than just go out and play tennis, he went and bought 200 tennis balls. And he thought, I'm just going to start hitting tennis balls to her backhand. And so he just began to serve and to hit tennis balls to her backhand, 200 of them, over and over without hardly any breaks. And her 
percentage of success was about 5%. She wasn't very good and she was crying and I'm terrible and this is no fun and I'm not doing well. And he didn't hit anything else or just backhands. And he said, don't worry. He said, your brain is learning. Right now your backhand's not learning, but your brain is learning. And they went out the very next day and did it again and she improved by 60%. What they do, they just did the same thing over and over and over. Sometimes, I know I'm guilty, and I think maybe many of us are, sometimes we've got a lot of things going, and we're, you know, an inch deep in a mile wide. Maybe we need to be a mile deep and an inch wide. Maybe we need to figure out what's our niche, what's your thing, what is it that you're good at? Maybe it's in music, maybe it's in athletics, maybe it's in business, maybe it's some kind of a skill you have. You, and you might say, they, they did the math, they said that the 10,000 times thing is equivalent to 40, what is it, 40 hours a week for five years. If you did something for 40 hours a week for five years, intentionally, not just like going to your job, but something intentionally, for 40 hours a week over five years, that would be equivalent to this mastery status. So what is it? What is it for you? What's the niche? Focus on it. Give yourself to it. That might mean saying yes to a lot of opportunities. Rather than saying no, say yes. You know, back in the day when we first started preaching and speaking and stuff, on one hand, okay, let me give you a little parenthetical here. On one hand, yes, you want to be led by the Holy Spirit because you can't do everything. You want to be led by the Holy Spirit to what he's leading you to do. And there are seasons of pulling away and getting with the Lord. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But in this context, saying yes to things. Don't say no, just say yes. And so back in the day we first started speaking, you know, sometimes we get an invitation to preach somewhere. And, you know, in a good way, we would pray about it. Well, let's pray about it. Lord, do you want us to go there? But really the truth is, in that season, it's sort of like, yes. Yes, he wants you to go places. You guys need some practice. You need to, need to know how to, how to minister. You need to know how to study and put together a message and, and meet some new friends in ministry and things. And so don't overanalyze things. Either over-spiritualize it or overanalyze it to the point you just stay stuck. You got one foot nailed to the floor. You got one foot nailed to the floor and you're just doing this your whole life. Boy, Lord, I wish you'd hurry up and do something. And all the people said. Hey, I hope you are enjoying today's message. And I wanted to interrupt this program to bring you a special announcement. I wanted to offer you a free book that will help you grow in your relationship with the Lord. Just click the free book button on the Pray.com app or go to thebasicswithbeth.com to get your free copy of The Seven Basics. These seven truths will definitely set you up for an intimate and successful relationship with the Lord. Now, let's head back into our regularly scheduled program. Number four, do the friendship math. Do the friendship math. Jim Rowan says, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. They're influencing you because, you know, we're all, we're kind of tribal people in that sense. I mean, we, we sort of end up getting into our tribes. And the people you hang with are the people you pick up their habits, you pick up their language, their lingo, you pick up their dress, the way they dress, you pick up their attitudes. 
And he says, we become the average of the five people we spend the most time with. So do the friendship math. Who are you hanging out with? Who's, who's, who's influencing you? Who are you the average, you know, if you looked at five people you really hang with, see if it's true in your life. Are you the average of those five people? And do you like that average? Is that where you want to be? Or do you, are you like, no, man, I need, to, I need to expand my world. You know, the Bible says bad company corrupts good character. You know, if you get around people that are negative and complainers and haters, they hate church, and they hate the government, and they hate what's going on in the world, and they hate everything. Well, you're going to be the average of that. Or you can get around really positive, faith-filled, Jesus-loving, God-honoring validators. Come on. You can get around people that are a lot like Christ. You can get around people with a bigger world. Man, do you know how big your world can become? There, there used to be a book years ago. It was called, Is Your God Too Small? If you get around people who don't have a small God, if you get around people who believe the Bible, that with God all things are possible, do you know that affects you? That affects how you talk. It affects how you think. Yeah. So who's in your world? And if you need to change up some friendships, do it. Iron sharpens iron. There's a famous phrase that says, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. It is so true. Parents, you know it. You spend all this time working on those kids, training them, raising them up, teaching them to be polite, to have manners, to be courteous, to obey, to have respect, to get good grace, to be friendly, to love the Lord. I mean, all the stuff you invest into your kids, and don't you know, they get around one or two bad apples in high school or middle school, and it feels like all that hard work goes out the drain. Why? Because bad company corrupts good character, but iron sharpens iron. If you need to make some changes, don't apologize. This is your life you're living. <laughs> you are living your life. Do the friendship math. And all the people said, number five, we're talking about the greatest life. Number five, get more bobbers in the water. John Wooden said this, don't let making a living prevent you from making a life. Statistics tell us the average multimillionaire has seven streams of income. So what are we talking about? Get more bobbers in the water. If you've taken financial peace around here, you've heard the, the conversation about getting passive income, another stream of income, residual income. And there are, you, you have the capacity. We live in the technology age. You have the opportunity. We'll come back and talk about some of these actually when we meet up again and talk about the second half of The Greatest Future. But just to plant some thoughts now, no matter what God's called you to, whether it's ministry or business or whatever, don't forget the four R's. Because this is how people accumulate wealth in this world. And here they are. Number one, rentals. Number two, renewals. Number three, royalties. And number four, real estate. We had this conversation many times with our kids when they were little. To plant in them this idea that God always has streams and rivers. God always has witty ideas. When it comes to rentals, if you buy 10 chairs and rent them, you're sitting at the beach in your lawn chair, but your 10 chairs are making money for you because they're using them at somebody's open house. 
If you have a residual or a renewal, a subscription business of some sort, insurance is in that category as well. How many of you signed up for something for only $4.99 a month? And every month they're getting your $4.99, but you just forgot to unsubscribe. Residuals, royalties, licensing something. You have something that you license so others use it, you get a royalty. You write a book, you write a song. You sell a, an app on a license. Royalties. It's passive. It's another stream of income. And then real estate. I mean, sheesh, lagish. If you watch TV, the fixer-upper, flip-flop thing is going crazy. Why? Because they've realized there's a lot of money to be made. If you're smart and if you do it right and if you're led by the Spirit, you can buy and sell real estate. The four R's. What are we talking about? We're saying get more bobbers in the water. Maybe none of these float your boat, but there's something that will float your boat. And we'll talk about that in our next time together a little more, okay? Let's do number six. Number six, find the new in the old. I love this. Picasso said, I'm always doing things I can't do. That's how I get to do them. You know, depending on what you do, what you're called to do, depending on your talents, your skills, creatively, athletically, in business, in engineering, in sales, I mean, whatever it is you do, man, I'll tell you what, you could, you could get a jump on some of your competitors by going back to the old. The stuff that's long since been forgotten, but it was gold. It was gold. There was wisdom there. There were insights there. What if you go back to the old and study the last hundred years of the stuff that is available in your particular field of interest? Find the new in the old. All right, number seven. Own five words. Own five words. What five words do you own? What five adjectives would describe you? And you get to pick them. What five words? You say, oh man, if people were describing my life, okay, at my funeral, what do I want them to say? <laughs> what, what five words do you want to describe you? And then, see, the cool thing about words, as you guys know, is the power of life and death is in the tongue. The, the words you speak, the words you believe in your heart, those are the things that become true of you. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So what are the five words for you? I have five words. I'm not going to share mine because they're mine, but you get yours. <laughs> we have words for the church. I have five scriptures. I mean, you could do a lot of different categories if you want, but what five things, what five words are your words? What five scriptures? What five words for each one of your kids? Own five words that describe you. And it'll be a self-fulfilling prophecy is what it'll turn out to be. All right. Last but not least, remember what you loved in third grade. Dr. Seuss said, you have brains in your head. You have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself in a direction you choose. Who remembers being six, seven, eight, nine, ten, first, second, third grade, elementary age? What did you love? Think back, what you love, what you do when you didn't have pressure, when you didn't have responsibilities, when you didn't have deadlines, when you could just daydream and spend your days the way you wanted, when you could just run around the neighborhood, when you could just play in the basement, when you could lay in bed and do whatever you wanted, what did you do in those innocent years of elementary? And third grade's a good, you know, a good place to think about. What'd you do? What'd you like to do? Because interestingly enough, the Lord, you know, he, he's the one that's wired us. He doesn't wire you for something when you turn 20. You are wired for some things from birth. 
And when you go back and look, you'll see some fun patterns. I, would, I, was, I was talking to one of my sisters, and you know, back in the day, we used to love, my sisters and I, we used to love to like, create carnivals and dramas and plays and have a production in our garage. And we'd go around the neighborhood and invite all the kids to come, and we'd get people to be in the cast. And we, we were putting on these dramas in our garage as just little elementary kids. Like our house was the carnival house for fun stuff like that. And I've laughed, I'm like, oh my gosh, my whole life has been events. I used to love to write poetry. I used to love to write, and I, would, I was a letter writer. I'd write letters to my friends all the time. Nobody wrote me back, but I loved writing letters. I loved to write, and I loved to, I loved to listen to music and write lyrics, and I remember, in fact, I heard it on the radio in the airport the other day. I said to Jeff, I said, I know all the words to this song. <laughs> You're gonna get a kick out of this. It was Cher's song, Cher, Half-Breed. I don't know why, but there were two songs. Back in the day, I'm like, oh, I want to know those words. I literally played the 45 on my record player over and over and over and wrote down all the words to half-breed. Half-breed, that's all I ever heard. Half-breed. It's like not even a great song. <laughs> the second one was, I got a brand new pair of roller skates. You got a brand new key. I think that we should get together and try them out to see. It's been dead enough. Oh, I got a brand new. So, why in the world? I don't know, but you know, that was a clue for me because I still, to this day, love to write, of course, and love, there's something about music, there's something about lyrics, there's something about that creative thing. It's just there. Well, don't suppress all that stuff. What's the Lord put in you? It's just who you are. What did you love to do in third grade? Go back and revisit that and say, okay, now, Holy Spirit, how does this, how does this make sense in my life? How does this make sense in my season? Amen? What are we talking about? How to live the greatest life. So I hope you got stirred up, inspired, and really just spend some time with the Lord saying, okay, God, help me. Holy Spirit, help me. Give me the knowledge of the devices, the witty inventions for my life. And all the people said, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you so much for stirring us up today, encouraging us. Lord, getting the wheels spinning on the inside, creative thoughts and ideas and witty inventions, wisdom from heaven. Lord, that we would be those people that are blessed to be a blessing, that we're enjoying life, we're enjoying your goodness, but God, that we're also very intentionally being a blessing and doing good things for your purposes, for your honor and glory. I pray, God, you'll take what was shared today, water it. I pray you'll cause it to sprout up and produce eternal fruit in the lives of each and every person. And while our heads are still bowed, eyes are still closed, if you're here this morning, you may be here and you may say, man, I didn't know God cared about my life like that. I thought he just wanted me to be religious. I didn't know God cared about like my whole life. What kind of a God is this? Listen, if you've never come to know Jesus Christ personally for yourself, today's your day. And again, while heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if you would like to say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life today. I need you in my life. I need your forgiveness. I need your mercy. I need your help. And today is my day of surrender. I'm surrendering my life to you, Lord. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. If all of that fits your heart, 
with every head bowed, eyes closed, just so that you can mark this down in your own heart and mind. Lift your hand to heaven and say, that is me, and I want some prayer. We're going to pray together as a whole church family in just a minute. Lift your hand up if that is you. You're like, I need Jesus in my life today. Looking around, and it's hard to see, but if your hand's up, the Lord sees it. That's the main thing. I want you to have your hand up so that you remember the moment you put your hand up, and the Lord saw it, and you know it. Let's pray. Father, you saw those hands. And so let's all say this together. Say it with me. Say, Jesus, I do believe that you are the Lord and that God raised you from the dead. And right now, I invite you to be the Lord of my life. Jesus, come into my heart. Thank you that you forgive all of my sins. And from this moment forward, I declare... Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. That's the best decision for the greatest life ever. Thank you so much for listening to today's message. I really hope you were encouraged. And if you were, I would love to hear from you. Please email us to let us know what the Lord is doing in your life. And don't forget to get your free copy of the seven basics book by clicking the free book button on the pray.com app also if these messages are encouraging you would you like to help us help more people learn the bible basics you can by making a donation of any amount you will partner with us and help us keep these programs going to people around the world It's easy to become a partner. Just click the Give button on the Pray.com app or go to thebasicswithbeth.com to make a donation. Together, we can continue to help people learn the Bible basics. So thanks again for tuning in today. I can't wait to see you right here on Pray.com next time. Wow, what an incredible message. Thank you, Pastor Beth Jones, for blessing us with this word. The podcast, The Bible in a Year with Jack Graham, is a moving and inspiring biblical audio experience that will help you master wisdom from the world's greatest book. In each episode, you'll learn to apply biblical principles to everyday life. Each cinematic episode is a journey through the Bible's most profound stories that will strengthen your appreciation of the word and inspire you to keep learning. Listen to The Bible in a Year with Jack Graham on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. 
over 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.